Welcome to Knowledge at Wharton Podcasts. Knowledge at Wharton is the online research and business analysis journal of the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania. For more information, please visit our website at knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thanks, and we hope you enjoy the podcast. Military metaphors abound in the world of business. Companies rarely enter new markets. They usually invade them. When businesses think about geographic expansion, they make forays into new territories. Consultants no longer speak of assignments for clients. The preferred term is engagements. All this martial lingo serves a purpose. At a time when global business rivalries are intensifying, competition often resembles combat. Keeping in mind this connection between business and the armed forces, some Wharton undergraduate students recently participated in officer leadership training at the Naval Academy, where they worked with top students of various U.S. military academies. Knowledge at Wharton spoke with these students, uh, Rana Yarid, Naomi Adania, and Mark Green, about the leadership lessons they learned from this experience. Uh, I'm Mukul Pandya, Editor-in-Chief of Knowledge at Wharton, and my colleague Robbie Shell, editor, uh, Editorial Director of Knowledge at Wharton, is going to join me in speaking to the students. Welcome to all of you. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Thank you for having us. Uh, Rana, maybe we could start with you. Uh, one of the things you, you, you said uh, is that leadership isn't always glamorous and that it starts with the mundane. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about how you came to that uh, perception about the course you attended? Sure. One of the group leaders in our particular group, we were Group A from the Naval Academy, had made the point that you know there are a lot of really important things he has to do as a co- company commander, not the least of which is keep his entire company in line. Then there were some really small things that didn't seem like they mattered to each of us that were very important. And the easy example he had given was keeping your quarters clean that by the time you're a junior, you pretty much know how to get around it. And that one of the most difficult things that he had to do was convince his juniors that it was important to follow rules even when no one was watching. And that just seemed like such an important lesson to learn that no one would really look at if they were examining like big you know, leadership things. That really it took a lot away from that, I thought. And also as far as um, leadership is it's not always glamorous. Um, there's not, you're not always charging the hill. You're not always leading the pack and going to, to conquer an enemy. Sometimes you're behind the lines getting food for your men. Um, sometimes you're making sure that all the workers in your office have proper supplies, have proper vacation, and um, have those, those mundane needs. And so it's important to take care of those day in and day out so that in turn you'll have the respect in the mundane things. And then when you get in those crisis situations, whether it be in business or in the military, then your subordinates will be more prone to listen to you and trust you in an instant, as opposed to argue with you when you need them the most. Yeah, and to echo that, I think the example that came up the strongest to me in the differences between, let's say, students from Wharton and in the military academies is lots of the decisions that people in the military face become life-or-death situations, whereas in business it may not get to that extreme, obviously. So the example I came up with was at a nuclear sub. Like, there's so many little mundane things that the commander of a nuclear sub needs to be in charge of. And he has to make sure that everybody's following them. And if they're not, then they're comfortable going up to him. Because if anything goes wrong, obviously, they're stuck in the middle of the ocean. I think one of the other themes that that, uh, you all mentioned earlier was the idea that good leaders share the glory 
um, but bear the brunt of the blame. Is that something that was discussed in examples given? I think so. I think you should always um, take responsibility when anything goes wrong. Um, one of the things they, they talked about in the military is that you should always praise in public, reprimand in private. Anytime something good, good is going for your team, you always want to defer that down to your subordinates, give them the praise. Anytime you're in trouble with your superiors for something that may or may not have been your responsibility, however it might have been your team's, you still need to step up to the plate and take that. And in doing so, as we've talked about, um, your team really appreciate that in you and reward you the next time when you come up against that crisis. I think the military academy seemed to be a great place to nurture that ideal. I don't know if necessarily in business you see in the news lots of times people pass on the blame if something goes wrong, whereas it seems everybody that we met from the military academies was quick, like immediately, to like praise exactly their subordinates. So I admired that in all the students we met. I thought this lesson was really transferable to business in a really easy way. I mean, like, we see a lot of CEOs and CFOs who are in a lot of trouble for corporate scandals, and their first instinct is to, you know, blame the 22-year-old accountant in the accounting department for the mistake in the audit instead of to step up and say, I'm sorry, I'm the CFO, it's my problem. So because that culture is not inbred in business, you need Sarbanes-Oxley to now make CFOs and CEOs culpable and, you know, responsible for these problems, whereas I feel like they learn from their first day they walk into those military academies that you are to blame if you're a leader of a team, which is kind of important. Yeah, maybe uh, I should have asked this question right in the beginning, but could you describe for our listeners what exactly did you have to do during your training? Uh, I mean, did you have to, you know, uh, train in uh, on, on ships and so forth? What, what, what did your what did your program entail? I mean, the majority of it, we had amazing speakers that came in and we talked about their firsthand experience. In many cases, they were from military backgrounds. So I remember one guy was like the commander of a nuclear sub, as I mentioned. Um, another guy mentioned how a general in Iraq right now is like he shares everything that his subordinates do. So like if they're sleeping on the ground, he sleeps on the ground, even though he's a general and could easily like get a tent, I guess, or a bed. So it was through a lot of like firsthand experience. Um, another one of the speakers was Cynthia Rowley. Colleen Rowley from Colleen the FBI. Yeah. yeah, from the FBI, who's a whistleblower. So she came in and spoke about how, yeah, she broke through that. One thing that was great, too, was seeing the juxtaposition between civilian and military leadership, because as Naomi talked about, we saw um, Marine Corps and Navy officers, um, some helicopter pilots, some infantry leaders, some company commanders, um, also ship commanders, as well as various leaders from the civilian sector. And also, as far as the delegates um, for the program were concerned, you had um, civilians from business schools, leadership schools, as well as midshipmen from the Naval Academy, so it was great learning from those different sectors what you can translate between the two fields. How did those students, the military students, react to you? Did they, were they, did they have questions for you about your experience? Were they interested in your reactions to these uh, lessons or themes? I was just overwhelmed by how kind they were to us. We had the really distinct opportunity, Naomi and I, to go into a classroom with one of them. And when we walked in, they just were overwhelmingly nice to us, wanted to know everything about Wharton, and were just so excited to see us there. I mean, I couldn't have expected a better um, hospitable you know, atmosphere than what we got. It was really neat in that sense. That's really saying something, because the Naval Academy is truly an impressive place, and they do have a whole lot to be proud of. I think it was very awe-inspiring for us just being in their presence and seeing all the, the discipline and leadership that they undergo day in and day out and having a chance to somehow contribute to that with an outside civilian perspective because I'd say that's maybe the one thing they don't get so much of is that four years straight of that military bubble 
to kind of bring some of that outside perspective in. I know that at least in my group, they were very interested in knowing the business perspective to leadership. So they were very eager to hear how this was, since a lot of them, I mean, aren't going to remain in the military forever. And so I know a number of the military students in our class wanted to get like an MBA somewhere and pursue business after the military. It was very interesting to hear you make that earlier point about the Iraqi commander who would do everything exactly the same way as the uh, as, as the soldiers, like steep, sleeping on the ground, because you do find parallels to that in both business and in politics. Uh, in business, for example, there's the well-known story of Andy Grove, uh, who, when he uh, even after he became the CEO of Intel, uh, continued to work out of the same sort of cubicle. Uh, you know that that the rest of the engineers at Intel were working from, he did not have a corner office with a with a view, uh, and in, in politics, of course, the the best example I have heard of this is uh, Mahatma Gandhi uh, in India when he was leading the uh, movement for independence. He chose to dress like the poorest Indians dressed. Uh, he he gave up his suit and everything and just dressed in a dhoti and a loincloth so that he could be like everybody else. I think that's unquestionable. That really impresses your troops or your employees to really be down there in the dirt, be down there in the paperwork, getting your hands dirty with them. Because if you're a commander and, and you're the last one to go through the chow line, um, they realize that you are putting their needs above your own, and therefore they will return that um, during stressful situations. Was, was there anything you heard that you were skeptical about? That you thought perhaps you were being told as sort of part of the uh, part of the plan program, but didn't quite ring true, or um, that you wondered about really whether that was applicable in any in any true sense. I think the only I guess speaker that kind of questioned anything about business was a guy who was trying to separate management from leadership. And when we were listening to it, we were like, "How on earth can you do that?" And so he separated it as like management being the mundane things and then leadership I don't know being this like x factor and so I think while we were listening to that it was just it, it just struck a chord <laughs> I agree with that I think those are often two words that are they're interchanged a lot and they they get muddled in the context of business or the military I think um, today because of the overuse of those words it's tough to to figure out sometimes what exactly the meaning of, of each of them individually or collectively are. And so I think we were a little skeptical about that. His message was a little bit counter-trend because he made management seem really despicable and leadership seem really good. And it was counter-trend because a lot of the things we had been hearing in our individual breakout sessions were that the small things were leadership, you know, the sleeping on the floor, the not taking the better pair of socks, and you know, all these small things. And he kind of belittled all of those. So he was really counter-trend to the rest of the discussions. I mean, very often when people make the distinction between man management and leadership, what they refer to as management is really the administration or the how you get to your goals. Whereas when they talk about leadership, they talk about something that's a little more, that is, that incorporates management, but is also a little more inspirational in terms of why you want to get to those goals and not just the how. So, I, I mean, I, I think that if you... Uh, if if you uh, look at the literature, you do sometimes find this distinction between leadership and management. But I do, I think all of you are quite right that uh, to to belittle one and and make it different than the other is uh, doesn't seem to be quite right. Was there much discussion of ethics during these sessions? 
There definitely was. Uh, the keynote speaker, actually, the first night, um, talked about moral courage. It's going to be the, the foundation of everything that would make you a good leader, make you display good ethics. And the greatest thing I took away from, from his talk was that he said that moral courage constituted of the intersection of three things, values, danger, and endurance. You have to have the values to begin with, but values are nothing unless you encounter danger and must overcome some obstacle. And then in doing so, you must exhibit endurance as you put those values into practice. And I thought that was very profound. I never really heard it put quite that way, mm -hmm. but uh, that was really one of the lasting things that I took away from the conference. Uh, what about the respect of your subordinates? Is uh, is uh, I mean, do you believe that it's more important to have the respect of your subordinates than the acclaim of your superiors? Did that figure in the program? I thought that was really relevant. We spent a good deal of time in our group talking about it, and I felt it was important because at the end of the day, if you have a team underneath you, you know, as a consultant, as an investment banker, you know, or as a military leader, you really need them to execute on whatever mission you've been given. And it's really important that they want to work for you and they want to do that. And I guess in the long run, if you and your team do a good job, eventually your superior will recognize that. So your energy is better spent making sure that you have the respect of the people who you need to execute the job than sucking up to you know, the superior. I think it's great that Rana mentioned that. I think it is very appealing in the short run to maybe sell out, if you will, your subordinates or your team in order to seek the immediate praise of your superiors. However, in the long run, definitely you'll need those, those subordinates, your employees, your team members, um, to be on board with you in the same direction you're going. You'll fall flat on your face. Hi there. Are there any experiences you've had as summer interns, say, or any jobs that you've held while you've been here at Wharton where any of these themes have come into play that, that you, know, you can now apply what you've learned there to something that you've already experienced? Because obviously you haven't been out yet with full-time jobs. I worked on a trading desk this summer in New York, and it was great to see um, one of the higher-level level bosses in the office um, come out regularly to the trading floor, uh, mingle with the employees. And I think something as simple as that took five minutes you know, every few hours, maybe even every day or two, um, really let us know that he cared about us and that he was, was focused on us and wasn't just sitting in his ivory tower in the corner office um, leaving us to do menial work. I mean, I think this is impacting me more on, like, a level among activities at, in Wharton. So like this year I organized a big Ivy League conference and there was a ton of mundane details to do. But I mean, I I think showed maybe to the rest of like my committee that I was willing to work the long hours to three in the morning or do any of the front work that nobody else wanted to do, make the phone calls and fundraise, which nobody likes to do. So I think that's where I've applied it, I think, the most. I worked with the World Bank two summers ago and I think it's more like hindsight application of these. I thought the one about ethics not being relatives and some things being very concrete, right and wrong, in hindsight ring very true. Um, there are a lot of things, you know, it's very easy for us to say, well, you know, it's different in that culture, so it's okay to excuse or it's different in our culture. But at the end of the day, I was really impressed looking back at how, you know, the, the World Bank for all the criticism it gets really did have a set of like, this is right, this is corrupt, and you know, this is wrong. And in hindsight, it seems very true. I have one question for all, for each of you, and that is, which is the one lesson that you learned during your, your Naval Academy experience that you think you'll carry with you through the rest of your business life? The greatest line I took away from was, humility is the cornerstone to great leadership. I think a lot of times you think about ways to inspire your troops, ways to, in a management sense, get the job done, ways to impress your superiors. 
But at the end of the day, it's that humility that's needed to put your subordinates above yourself um, that makes you willing to put in the long hours and do the grunt work and that really helps you keep the collective interest in mind and not just yourself trying to climb the ladder. And all that's not said too much in the corporate or even the military world for that matter, um, the fact that humility was so stressed in one of the speakers on talks really impressed me. Um, for me, I think the lesson that came out is you should lead by example. It seemed like all the speakers, all the students who were there, led by example. And I mean, people, your subordinates, anybody will notice the little small things that you do. And the other thing in line with ethics is that you shouldn't compromise like who you are. You should have a, like a strict, I don't know, values that you like live by. And the minute you compromise one of them, then you're on like the slippery slope that could lead to like worse decisions. My lesson would have been similar to Mark, so I'll pick a different one. Um, I guess it was um, the gentleman who organized it came into our group and at one point made um, the distinction that he thought that character-centered leadership was a lot easier for military folks than it was for those who went to the corporate world. So I took that as a personal challenge um, you know, to make sure that I keep that in mind, keep the eye on the prize, that the most important thing is to have your, your dignity um, and your integrity in the long run. One last question. What are the three of you doing when you graduate? You're all seniors, correct? Mm -hmm. Rana, start with you. I'll be going to Goldman Sachs as an analyst. In New York? In New York City. I'm actually in Naval ROTC, so I'll be going down to flight school in Pensacola, Florida really? to train to be a pilot in the Navy. Interesting. And I'm going to do healthcare consulting in Chicago with a company named SG2. Great. Well, good luck to all of you. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Uh, and, and, and Rana, uh, Naomi, and Mark, thanks very much for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Thank you us. for having us.